0: Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Andrew, an autistic certified financial planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey,
1: everyone. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people.
0: Today, our guest is Joy. She is an autistic writer with a particular interest in constructed language. Professionally, she is seeking employment and developing some professional skills before returning to school for creative writing.
1: Hi, Joy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we wanna ha- we always ask our guests how they like to identify, and I'm talking about pronouns, but also your identity as you know, autistic person, person with autism on the spectrum. What are your preferences?
2: Um, I use she, her pronouns. As for person on spectrum, autistic, I use all of them. It really doesn't matter to me.
1: Those two.
0: What is your diagnosis diagnosis story? Uh, How did that affect your life?
1: I just,
2: I was in and out of therapy. Uh, They gave me medications and things. Nothing really seemed to help. Uh, And eventually when I was a teenager, I got diagnosed, misdiagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And to me, it was like, you know, this, I guess it sort of fits on the surface, but I don't think this is what's going on. Uh, I, uh, I had an autistic relative, but even then I wasn't really putting together the dots. So I was referred to this therapist for the borderline personality disorder. And she looked at me and she worked with me for a while. And she pulled me aside after one session and just said, you know, I don't really think you're autistic or I don't really think you're borderline. I think you might be autistic. So she referred me to the neuropsych um, who was working in the same facility and uh had the evaluation and surprise uh it turned out i had been autistic for my entire life and so at that point um i she i continued to work with this therapist and she uh with that approach she was able to sort of teach me how to advocate for myself um help me become more aware of what my needs actually were um i really got a lot more stable um being able to advocate for myself was probably the biggest thing. And I managed to uh, get through college. I don't think I would have if I hadn't had the support of that therapist uh, and the self-awareness that came from getting diagnosed.
1: Did you uh, keep the borderline uh, diagnosis or did that go away when you were diagnosed with uh, with autism? Um, I think that went away. Now you're just like... Uh, when you see her you're focused on like working on the autism part and not Mm -hmm. the borderline got it yeah and you know the depression anxiety those those are
2: pretty constant but
0: and it is pretty common for a lot of people to be you know misdiagnosed with borderline personality disorder you know first uh and there Mm -hmm. are similarities for a reason um but they also both exist not everyone who's autistic you know is misdiagnosed borderline and you know, right. Are, and there
2: are plenty so, of people who do have both. It's, yeah.
0: What What did she say were the main reasons she didn't think you had borderline and she, uh, she thought you were autistic, if you can remember?
2: Well, with emotional dysregulation in general, I'd been diagnosed with borderline when I was 17, and I wasn't presenting with that at all by the time I got diagnosed.
1: Life is all about change. And you've had some major life changes mm-hmm. uh, recently. You, you got married. Um, can I you tell did, yeah. us about how you met, the wedding and do you have any tips for having an autistic-friendly wedding? Um,
2: keep it small. That is the main tip I have for an autistic-friendly wedding. Uh, crowds are just really, really hard and everybody's going to want to come up and hug you and things. So if you keep it to just your family and your really close friends who you really want to be there, I guess there's the social obligation to invite literally everyone you know, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> we just had ours and it was actually in the house. That was a funny story. That wasn't how he planned it, but uh, his parents got COVID, so.
1: what, what, what it, was your plan originally?
2: Uh, we were going to have just a little small ceremony in the prayer chapel on his campus. And that would have been, you know, more of the same, just tiny with the people
0: who are most important to us. That's important. Uh, Eileen, did you see the Reddit, am I the asshole for the people who um, paid for like a Mickey Mouse like costume person instead of having food at their wedding? Mm Mm-mm. It was no. oh yeah, it, you. I thought you read "Am I the Asshole" a lot, right? Yeah, that yeah, one. That was yeah. good. They spent like six thousand dollars, like their whole food budget, on like oh, like an official Mickey Mouse something, and people were mad there was no food because they spent <laughs> all their food. I would be
2: mad. I would be mad. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think the food's important. How did you uh? How did you meet your spouse? Yes,
2: yeah, so if you're gonna invite people around to meal time. I met him online, actually, um, through Facebook. We were in the same Facebook group together. Uh,
0: So what the hell is conlanging? What? I can't, if I said that right. (laughs) Yes. And can you give some examples?
2: Sure. So um, conlanging is short for constructed language. Um, A conlang is... um, it's a language that's not, it doesn't, it hasn't happened organically. It's been designed by a person or a team of people. Um, and that can be either a fictional language like uh, how Tolkien has uh, the Elvish languages like Quenya and Sindarin, um, it can be like that. Or it can be um, an auxiliary language um, for the, to facilitate, facilitate communication between people who speak other languages. Like Esperanto is an example of that. Um, And that's one that's actually designed for people to use. I do fictional languages. I don't actually intend anybody to be speaking fluently. It's just to enhance my world building in the stories that I write
1: mostly. So what is, uh, what in your expert opinion do you think of made up words like, neurodiversity, neurodivergent, uh, neurodiverse, especially the term lately that now everyone is neurodiverse? Uh,
2: I personally don't really use the term neurodivergent, neurodiverse. I don't feel like they're very useful. Just they they don't give you very much information like by the current neurodiversity paradigm you've got okay so autistic people are neurodivergent and so are people with adhd and so are people with any mental illness and so are people with chronic pain and so are people with trauma and so if you tell me you're neurodivergent i don't know anything about you uh and as for the distinction between neurodivergent and neurodiverse i guess i see the argument that uh Narrow diverse has to describe a group rather than a person. Like, I see the argument. I just think it's silly because the, you know, the word doesn't mean all that much to begin with.
0: No, we, we, we were definitely, yeah, curious, given your, your step, uh, again, just, you know, on language. And I would agree with you that, you know, in general, if you try to include everybody, right, then you don't end up really, well, you know, there needs to be descriptors. Like you said, it doesn't, you know, it becomes almost meaningless the more people you know, described her under mm-hmm. an umbrella. So, so you mentioned that you had some obstacles to employment. Um, oh yeah. What obstacles have you faced, and what do you think can be done about it? Yeah, I really struggle with the interview process.
2: I am. Uh, I haven't found anyone who's like explicitly autistic friendly yet, and. Uh, I think that's the reason I don't really get called back after interviews. I just, you know, I get nervous. I don't like to make the eye contact. I don't, I can't really anticipate what sort of answers people are expecting of me. So it's the interview that uh, gets me a lot of the time. Uh, Also, I struggle to pick things up like during training. So when I do have a job, I can make mistakes at the beginning because I'm not quite grasping you know things that people would pick up on pretty quickly in general uh so i think the employers get frustrated and they get let go i'm just trying to brute force my way through applications at this point as for what can be done about it i uh, applied to a tutoring job online recently and i uh haven't heard back yet
1: yeah i mean stru- struggles with uh employment and adapting to uh Life changes, as you mentioned, can be difficult. Mm -hmm. However, you also believe that the key uh, to moving forward is to avoid negativity online that many of us can get sucked into. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that.
2: Uh, Well, I think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with venting online about how, uh, about when you find things difficult, but it's easy to get in this sort of, I don't know, can I call it a feedback loop? Yeah. Uh, where you complain about how hard it is and people just validate, oh yeah, it's super hard. And you get into this mindset that the world is never going to change. You're never going to get a job because this is just how everything is. And I found myself getting into that mindset. Like I didn't even want to apply for jobs for a while because I just thought, you know, there's no way, there's no way they're going to want to hire someone like me. just because I get in this, I don't know, you look online and you kind of can reinforce your own negative thoughts if you're not careful
1: yeah def- definitely and I think it's the problem of many groups uh, it's like an eco chamber whether it's like just an right. opinion or feelings and it it gets really bad and many times it isn't even on purpose it's
2: people want to be validating but they validate the wrong thing
1: uh, yeah that's very true
0: I'll invalidate everything you ever say Eileen don't worry I'll, oh. I'll I'll always be there to argue with you. Okay? Thank you, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> um, a little bit of I don't even know if that's sarcasm. That might be mostly true. <laughs> like half sarcasm, maybe Eileen. Yeah, so you know, I mean, it's
2: needed, but it's good. It's good to be challenged.
0: Yes. Um, so you were going to college not just as an autistic person, but during COVID nineteen and. Can you tell us what that was like? I mean, again, talk about change and uncertainty. There must have been quite a bit.
2: Oh man, it was so, it was sudden. We, that March, uh, March of 2020, we, um, I went to my brother's wedding um, in a different state and, um, you know, the place was packed. It was a huge wedding. I remember dancing, you know, to Taylor Swift songs or whatever. And we're like, you know, life doesn't get any better than this. And then, as soon as we came back home, it was, you know, we have this pandemic now, and we went straight to lockdown pretty much. Um, my classes were suspended because because uh, our spring break got extended. They didn't know what to do about the classes, and then we just went online for the rest of the semester. Is like I, I left campus and then just didn't go back. Uh, and just I remember just the contrast between that wedding and just nothing i went and i uh i lived really close to my campus uh so i would just i would go walking just to give myself a semblance of routine i would walk around campus to like i wouldn't go into the buildings but to where my classes used to be just completely deserted it was just me uh because you know i would have fallen apart if uh i wasn't out there going somewhere like I had been before. I just had to hang on. Uh, it was really hard. Just the starkness of it is going to stay with me forever. Uh, we had, uh, the COVID cases in my home state were, um, not as severe as elsewhere in the nation. And, um, so our governor decided to open things up a little sooner than some other states. And that was a bit of a controversial decision, but regardless, um, Zoom in-person classes the next semester. Um, so there was sort of that return to normalcy, but it was just a little, everyone was on edge. It just wasn't the same. And I ended up feeling like I lost half of my college experience because of because of COVID-19 and uh, all the measures that had to be taken. It really was a rotten time. And on top of that, I lost three family members, not of COVID, but around that time, just in quick succession um so it was just it was a really hard time uh I think it would be hard for anyone but on top of that I just you know we're autistic we resist change
1: I know that you like uh video games did that help you uh cope in any way
2: oh yeah uh I played Stardew Valley all throughout uh the pandemic that really helped uh just to get away from it all Stardew Valley uh it's this little uh It's a farming simulator RPG thing. Uh, It's very cute, very wholesome. Uh, It's not like serious gaming at all, but uh, especially during that time, you just need something light and fluffy to
1: get you through life. (laughs) (laughs) I like video games like uh, Animal Crossing and Pokemon. Yeah, uh, Stardew's
2: right in that genre along with Animal crossing
1: no that's that's cool i need to check it out uh i've never heard of the game uh mystery dungeon explorers of sky but you right. know about that it? yes that is my all-time
2: favorite video game it's this really obscure pokemon game i've only met like two other people who have ever played it uh it is wonderful it's a i think primarily the gameplay you describe it as a roguelike I think that's just how you would classify it. Uh, but the story is quite good, and the music is excellent. Uh,
1: so what do you do in the game, like compared to the other Pokemon games?
2: Sure. So a difference is uh, you wake up on a beach at the beginning of the game and discover that you have turned into a Pokemon, but you have no memory. Oh. So uh, you are exploring dungeons with your Pokemon partner. Uh, there aren't any other humans in the game, just... just
1: Pokémon. Oh well, that's cool. What uh, console do you play it on? Nintendo or what is it? It was a Nintendo DS game, yeah. Oh, it was a DS game. Oh, that's cool. I have a DS I need to check. I think out. they
2: released it. I think they released it for Wii U as well as a digital
0: download, but you know, I never had a Wii, so Or 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 let alone a Wii U. Like, yeah. But Yeah. Actually one of my employees and friends actually does know the game and he does have it for DS. So there are three people. So <laughs> Woohoo! he plays a lot of Pokemon. So I asked him yesterday, I'm like, do you know this game? He's like, yeah, I have it for DS. So yeah, it's so good. Uh,
2: I think it had some mixed critical reviews, but, uh, I don't know if that's I maybe, mean. uh,
0: What did you like so much about it? Mostly the story.
2: Uh, I thought it was excellent. Uh, it, I replayed it recently, actually, uh, with my husband because he had never heard of it. And um, the story holds up pretty well. Like, I was impressed as a kid, but kids are easily impressed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I really thought it held up. That's awesome. All Pokemon game hold up very well. Like, you're right? playing Pokemon, like, Let's Go, which is basically the newer version of uh, what it used to be uh, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Love it.
2: Yeah, I think the first Pokemon game I played was uh, Yellow. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. Get
1: you. Mine was red. Yeah.
0: Did I tell you, uh, Eileen, really ever, that that's how I bonded with my wife, Jessica? Like, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. over over a video game that I lied and I said I played. I hadn't played it yet. It, it Wait, was never, Portal. Oh. <laughs> it was Portal. Oh. Portal 2 I just came out. And I did end up playing both of them, but I pretended I liked it. You know, more than I did.
2: Those are pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what did you study in college and why? Uh,
2: So I was initially a music music education major, but I changed it over to English pretty quickly. Um, I had a particularly good British literature class that I just adored. Uh, I uh, was captivated by Sir Gowan and the Green Knight and just middle English in general kind of kickstarted my interest in linguistics and, um, and literature as well. So I switched my major over. Um, it's a little bit frustrating, I think, because people expect autistic people to be really into math and engineering and that kind of thing. And I just never was. I was more of the creative type. Um, but then I never f- quite felt fully at home in the English world either, because there's just so much subjectivity in um, especially literary criticism, you know, I always want there to be a meaning of the text. And there's this, you know, there's death of the author, there's you can't say that the text is what the author meant it to mean. Um, and there's just a whole lot of interpretation. And that always really frustrated me as someone who, you know, I tend a little towards black and white thinking a, little, a lot of the time. And I just want there to be the same objectivity that maybe there is in music theory, which is what I did before. And um, so that's kind of why I gravitated towards the systems of conlanging rather than literary criticism, because I like things being they're not necessarily perfectly regular, but they're systematic. And to me, that is where the beauty of language lies. And that's why that's why I majored in English to begin with.
0: Did you know that there is a college scholarship for speaking Klingon? I didn't know that, but that is awesome. I wonder all, if there's one
2: for Quenya.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I we I give presentations like sometimes on like college planning and people getting ready and like you know weird scholarships, and that's always the one that like mm-hmm. stuck with me that I like <laughs> to mention is that if you can speak Klingon, there's it's like a five hundred thousand dollar, you know, scholarship, but still that's in- that's awesome maybe you should start yeah the i click on this fun language that you mentioned <laughs> that i can't repeat so
2: yeah quenya is uh talking's one of his two well he yeah, had more than two i think one of Tolkien's elvish languages that
1: no, is so cool it's funny what you said about like how people expect autistic people to like math and engineering and I was the same i was always into like uh languages you know obviously my first language is French and yeah I've never been into math or science and all of that and I don't know why that cliche uh, of it is sticking so much uh to the aut- the idea of people have of autism because it's not true for so many people I mean then you have people yeah. like Andrew, but mm-hmm.
2: but there's this idea that we can't be creative and uh I wonder if that's why was missed as a child just because you know I was in my own imaginary land all the time uh and you know they look for things like the lining up toys and quote unquote inappropriate play that was actually my brother uh he would Mm -hmm. line things up uh and he's he's uh he has his PhD. does he have his phd yet he's getting his phd in mathematics
1: uh Mm -hmm.
2: somehow he doesn't have a diagnosis but
1: uh (laughs) well okay but I wonder
2: I wonder if this is a male female thing if just women tend to be more imaginative even if they are autistic i don't know
1: yeah yeah that might be true because you know all of the people i know who are autistic and creative are more yeah that they're all women actually and then there are the people into math who are boys might might be a gender thing
2: mm-hmm. and then i know autistic i know autistic women who are into math too but uh
1: a bit more rare yeah it's interesting i'm sure uh the criteria for diagnosis are going to change uh, over mm-hmm. the years. They're already kind of picking up on, yeah, those those things like how, you know, girls have less restrictive interest mm-hmm. and all of that, um, or less obvious. I guess what I read that really stuck with me is that girls, their special interests are more what would be considered normal, uh, so or socially guess,
2: acceptable yeah yeah I oh, like the horse girls yeah
1: yeah so so it, that's how it can be me it's like oh she really likes it but you know well you know who doesn't like horses or like I was really into soccer when like boys it's more like yeah maybe like trends or something a bit more unusual so it's more obvious right yeah uh
2: I think for girls sometimes it's boy bands or <laughs> yeah. things that are not necessarily abnormal for a teenage girl
1: yeah totally.
2: uh for me, it was Pokemon it, when I was little. And then uh, I had, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with sonnets, the poetic form. And I wrote 300 of them in my four years of high school. Uh, and I think people just saw that as me being nerdy and quirky and maybe a little bit obsessive. It, it doesn't, it's not... It doesn't seem like the same thing as um the boys who really like trains, for instance.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: But it definitely was it was pretty rigid, pretty restricted.
1: Yeah, looking back, I mean, I feel like it's so much easier to see now that you know we can look back on these things. Uh but mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm gonna ask you some quick fire questions. So basically mm-hmm. it's just like quick questions and you tell me the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. What is your favorite memory as a child?
2: Favorite memory as a child? Uh going to the pool
1: with my dad. Oh, that's so sweet. What's your favorite Pokemon? Pikachu. That's everyone's favorite Pokemon. Yeah, I like Eevee. Like it's so cute. I do like eating. I like all yeah. of them. Ah, yeah. What's your favorite drink? Water. Very <laughs> nice. What's your favorite portrayal of autism in the media? Hmm.
2: It's an unpopular opinion, but I do like Sean from The Good Doctor.
1: You know, I've only seen a few episodes, but yeah, I've, I've heard it's like on the cliche side. Um, it is, but I like him. What's your dream job? What was your dream job as a child? Oh, do you have a dream job now?
2: Uh dream job as a child? Um, heh, I actually wanted to be a software engineer like my, uh, like my oh. brother. Uh, dream job now, I would love to compose music for video games.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was uh, great Mm -hmm. speaking with you. Do you have a social media anywhere you want people to find you online? I
2: tend to keep to myself online. I do have uh, a writing page, but I never post to it. So, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.